Only Three Lads is a proud member of the Pantheon Podcast family, home to some of the best music podcasts on the planet. Visit PantheonPodcast.com to discover more. And if you like what we do on O3L, we kindly ask you to please take a moment to subscribe, rate, and review the show on whatever podcast platform you're listening to us on right now. It really helps us more than you know. Welcome back. If you've been here before, if you've never been here before, welcome to the community. It is time for another episode of the Only Three Lads podcast, where we take a look at the golden age of alternative music from 1974 to 1999. I am Uncle Greg. Of course, we have the rockter, the professor of music, Brett Vargo. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That was my best cartoon Ringo. Sorry. Well, that was pretty good. Hey, <laughs> well, don't you remember Caveman? Caveman. That was a great yes. movie. Atuk. Yes. Doo-doo. Kaka. <laughs> and then the line that I loved as a 10-year-old. Do you remember, Brent? Or were you too young? In Caveman. As we talked about, I, I, you know, I saw Caveman in the theaters. I have the Caveman DVD. I don't know what line you are going to refer to. Oh, it's a, well, he's doo-doo. Kaka. And then you could the S word. Oh, yes. Okay, gotcha. That's my favorite line of the whole movie. Of course, maybe I'm a little bit immature, but that happens. Um, this week, the reason why we're talking about Ringo Starr is because we are going to take a look at our top five Beatlesque songs of the Only Three Lads era, which was, I had to do a lot of homework because I'm a little intimidated because we have a special guest this week. And uh, he just told us that he went to the University of Lennon and McCarthy and he's a McCarthy. musician. Close. <laughs> McCartney? Did I say yes. it? Oh, my, I said McCarthy. So it's not McCarthyism, it's McCartney. Correct. It's McCartneyism. Thank you. <laughs> Already messing up the English oh, language. Gosh. That's what we love about you, though, Greg. I, that's, that's, that's what we talked about. You said, uh, that's my charm. And I said, oh, that's what we're going to call it. That is, we will call <laughs> it your charm. Yes. <laughs> well, let's introduce our great guest. Well, this is a cool one for me for several reasons, because over the course of 70 episodes or 82 episodes, if you count our bonus episodes, anyone probably knows by this time that the Beatles are very high atop my list of musical and cultural heroes. Other than family, they've been the one constant guiding force throughout my whole life. Ever since my parents bought my brother and I a copy of a collection of Beatles oldies, the 1966 compilation. Right before I started kindergarten, so I was four going on five, 1979, and ever since then, it's been a lifelong obsession that's not only provided the overarching influence on my own songwriting, but has also influenced a, a huge portion of the music I listen to. So yes, Greg, this episode is in my wheelhouse. The most Beatlesque of all subgenres is also one that's very near and dear to my heart, power pop. And this episode is a double thrill for me because we have a man who is no stranger to brilliant Beatlesque pop music. If you're a fan of power pop, no doubt the name Ray Paul is one that you'll be familiar with. And if you're not, it's a great time to get acquainted. 
with a music career stretching back to, well, we'll probably talk to how far it's uh, stretched back. I know it goes back to probably the mid-60s in some form or fashion. Medieval times. Medieval times. <laughs> <laughs> But I'll point listeners to the near exhaustive, wonderful collection. I don't know why I bring visual aids to a audio only podcast, but the Charles Beat, great collection of 1978 to 1981 recordings, which includes most of their 1980 album, Go Time, Ray Paul and RPM, wonderful album. And then 2016's return to the recording studio, Whimsicality, which is an incredible melodic tour de force. Recently, the compilation Bloody Rubbish has been released and a remastered single of two tracks from 1980, Won't You Take a Ride and Tears, Little Darling. Won't you take a ride with me, baby? Don't say no, or don't you say maybe? Telling you you're driving me crazy. Won't you take a ride with me, baby? Ooh, veteran of the record industry including his own label permanent press i'm a big fan he's also a Beatles scholar what a thrill it is to welcome the pope of power pop ray paul to only three lads well thank you guys for inviting me and uh just want to say uh do we have time for the interview now <laughs> yes yes okay we got all the time in the world if you do that's quite a good introduction wow okay well that's very nice of you thank you uh Thank you guys for inviting me on today. It's our pleasure. First, Ray, I've got a couple of stories to share. A couple okay. of Ray Paul moments. Uh -oh. And only one of them is creepy, I promise. Okay. <laughs> I'll get the creepy one out of the way first. So I've seen, a, I don't know, countless Paul McCartney shows uh, going back to 1989, usually several stops on every tour. So I think it was probably the Driving USA tour, one of the stops in either L.A. or Anaheim. I saw you in the in the bathroom, in the men's room. Oh. I, you know, I think I gave you a little nod at the faucet. Get the beeps ready. <laughs> but I went back and I excitedly told my wife, guess what? I just peed next to Ray Paul. I can top that one if I can interrupt for a second. Of course. When McCartney did his comeback tour, I, I knew some people at Capitol and we were invited uh uh, before the show and um, to go to this lounge uh, somewhere in the Forum in L.A. And I, they had a bathroom down there, and I peed next to David Hasselhoff. Whoa! Wow. The Hoff. I didn't look over at him, but he I caught him looking over at me one time. <laughs> I don't know why. But, so uh, did he laugh or did he uh, give like an, a very impressed look? I don't know, because I didn't really want to look, you know, it was one of those things, uh, you know, I was with a girl and, you know. I, yeah. See, I truly believe you know. in men's bathrooms, <laughs> eyes front. Not in the, I, I wasn't with the girl in the bathroom, though, but, uh, you know, but, but I just, so, so go ahead. You were peeing next to me. I don't remember that really. That though. Was, <laughs> no, I wouldn't imagine you would. 
but I went and told my wife and I was very excited about it. And, and her reaction was a little less than excited, but I thought it was pretty cool. But anyway, the, the non creepy experience is, uh, one of my all time top concert going experiences was 1997, pretty much front and center mm. at the Poptopia festival in LA to witness you Emmett Rhodes who is another one of my heroes, and I know a very dear friend of yours, late, great Emmett Rhodes. We miss him dearly. And yeah. I think Jamie Hoover might have been on the stage as well from the Sponge Tones. Oh, yeah, yeah. After we finished the show, I put my arm around Emmett backstage, and I said, so, are you glad you did it? And he said with a big smile, yes. And it, it, I was very happy for him, and it was... Um, a big accomplishment because I'm still the only person who's gotten Emmett to come out and play live. Yeah. Some sing, some dance, some like a romance, but I love loving. Some sing, some dance, some like a romance, but I love loving. But anyway, the Emmett show was a, a really fun thing. Lots of people, lots of people couldn't get in. Where were you on the night of February 9th, 1964? Well, I remember we went over my cousin's house. Uh, they were, uh, one of my cousins was three years older and the other one, his brother was five. And they always had all the records at the time. They had little Richard Chuck Berry rock and roll stuff. We'd go over there on Sunday sometimes and my parents would be in the kitchen and um, I was in the living room, and they had one of those old console black and white things, you know, that had a record player in it and all that. Mm -hmm. and, and I started watching Ed Sullivan, you know, and I said, oh, I want to watch these guys because my cousin and I laughed at this thing. Uh, we found the Beatles album two months ago at a drugstore near his house saying England's number one vocal group, and we both laughed at how they looked. You know, the VJ cover, the picture of them is not really the most attractive on that VJ cover. Yeah, yeah. They look a little nerdy and a little bit like, <laughs> well, anyway, we, we kind of laughed. And then two months later, they're there. So Beatles came on and I'm calling my, I go, come on in this room. You got to watch this. You got to see this. And then later, my, we called some of our parents out to watch when they came back, you know, for the second time. So I saw that over my, my cousin's house, which was cool because they had a little bigger TV than we did. And uh, I was there right through the whole show. So can I assume that like the rest of the country, your first Beatle record was Meet the Beatles? Well, it was the single I Want to Hold Your Hand because that came yeah. out, uh, I think, a few weeks before or a month before. Yes. That was my first Beatle record, yeah, the single there. And then, of course, uh, I bought whatever they were putting out. And VJ, you know, had a couple different versions of it. But um, they actually only had the rights up till September of that year because they got a capital. Capital, first of all, was really stupid because they had turned down the Beatles a number of times. They EMI <laughs> wanted them to release it, and, and, and they kept refusing. It only was because of the fact that they saw what was happening in England all of a sudden that they finally woke up. And again, under pressure, I think, because they, they didn't want to put out Cliff Richard. They just felt yeah. nobody from England is going to do anything, or else maybe they saw the VJ cover and went, not these guys. <laughs> Well, you know, let's go back to that TV appearance. What were you feeling when you were watching the Beatles? Was it then, of course, the next day you went out wanting to be in a band and all that kind of stuff that people talk about? Well, the next day at school, 
That's all the kids were talking about. In class, teachers telling us to shut up, even when we, we were not supposed to talk, we're all talking about, did you see that? And, you know, a couple of days later, kids are combing their hair down, you know. Then when the wigs came out, you know, of course, they wouldn't let you wear the wigs in school. But when as soon as everybody started growing their hair, and we were in the eighth grade then. I was, um, I was in the eighth grade uh, when the Beatles were on. Well, what happened is I got hooked up with um, two guys that were a year older than me. They, were, they already were starting high school, and they played guitar. And they said to me, do you know how to play drums? And my cousin, who was three years older, was a drummer, and he was playing weddings and parties, and he was teaching me a few things, you know. And um, at that point, I really didn't play very well, but he was teaching me some basic stuff. And I said, yeah, I play drums. <laughs> so I went to my cousin then and said, um, hey, listen, I, a couple of guys asked me if I could play drums with them. Could I borrow your set like maybe? And uh, could you teach me a few more things and see if I'm doing something wrong? And so he did. He was more than helpful. And um, we did the show in this uh, church hall, just three of us. We didn't even have a bass player. But all we played was mostly Beatles. And some Dave Clark Five, and all I was doing was hitting the drums, boom, 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 boom. you know. And the kids were going nuts. Who knew? Who knew? <laughs> and then you said, "This is going to be what I'm going to do for the rest of yeah. my life." We were pretty bad. So anyway, we we were called the Century Men. And then about six months later, we changed the name to sound more British to the Most Limited Ltd. Ah, okay. and that was our name. And um, and then I left in 65 uh, uh, because it was getting to be too confusing for me to keep borrowing my cousin's drums. I didn't drive yet. I would have to go and get them. My father would either have to take me to get the drums and then pick me up and drive me back. And he wasn't too happy about that, you know. <laughs> so I decided uh, I'm going to play guitar. I started picking up the guitar and teaching myself. I said, well, we'll see what happens, you know. But when the Beatles came out, everybody wanted to be in the band. And I said, well, if I play guitar, it'll be cooler. I'll be, I can be up front. And that's where all the girls are standing, right? Yeah. It's a great motivator. Yes. Fear yeah. and sex, the biggest motivators. Not necessarily in that order. It could. Hey, it depends on the individual. <laughs> One band I was in, we did, a, we did kind of a vanilla fudge arrangement of two Beatles songs. We did like, I'll be back and all I want to do, all I want, wow. is it all I want to, yeah, all, all I, I want to do. do, yeah. And they were like vanilla fudge kind of arrangements, wow. because, and that was in Heavy. like 68, 69, but they've never been released. Now, I know when you got into the music industry, because I've seen the pictures, you've met just about everybody, you have a lot of great pictures with people. This is usually Greg's question, but are there a couple of surreal moments that stick out to you in your career? people you've met, experiences you've had? Well, I'd probably have to say um, Paul McCartney. <laughs> I've met him twice. And, wow. um, and then I met Ringo once just a few years ago, but I met Paul back in, um, I want to say, 1990 of April. Okay. That just, um, it kind of freezes you. You know, you're there and you don't want to gloat. You don't want to say, you know... Uh, Wow, you're the you're you're the greatest, or you've been a you yeah. know. It's just that you just kind of act normal, and um, 
The one thing I don't have, though, is a photo with McCartney because he's very difficult to take photos. Even in these were in industry settings that I met him. I was I met him uh, for the first time at a press conference in Phoenix. I went out with a friend of mine worked uh, publicity for Capitol Records, and she called me up and she said. Um, I got to work the, the McCartney tour in Phoenix. That was one of her artists that she worked with. She goes, do you want to go with me? He said, all you have to do is pay for your flight. And the flights were only like $29 from LA to Phoenix back <laughs> yeah. then, you know, Southwest. I said, yeah, not a problem. I'll go with you. So we went out and uh, we had actually met at the where the David Hasselhoff pee thing came in, you know. <laughs> She wasn't in the bathroom, but she was in the uh, at the bar, and she came up to me, and she says, hey, who are you? And I said, I don't know. <laughs> Next thing you know, we're going out for a little bit. I said, well, this is cool. So she goes, I have to be there early. We have to go there. I have to make sure all the chairs are set up for the press conference. So when Paul walks in, I used to sit in, and it was at ASU. And uh, it was like, so at the college, it was kind of like a classroom where the press conference was at. So nobody was in there yet. Nobody had shown up. And I decided, well, I'm picking out my seat. And that's going to be the one first row, dead center, right in front of Paulie's face. Heck yeah. I said, if, if I got my choice of all these seats, that's where I'm going. So <laughs> that's where I went. Paul was probably has to be the, uh, the biggest thing. And I, I didn't want to press. I didn't, you know, I didn't want to ask her, hey, can you follow him down with Linda? And can you, can you see if I could have a photo? I didn't want, she was doing her job, you know, she's working and I didn't want to overstep my bounds to, to have somebody end up calling Capitol and saying, Hey, your rep was doing this. And you know yeah. what I mean? <laughs> so maybe someday, you know, we'll get a photo together. And, um, uh, Ringo Starr was a recent one actually in 2017 um, I met him out in uh, Las Vegas uh, through this, uh, this, some of the VIP people that worked at Planet Hollywood. And okay. I, uh, wow. I just said to Ringo, I said, uh, hey, uh, you know, we, no, we didn't shake hands because he didn't want anybody to shake hands or something. That's what they Or told give autographs, him. right? Yeah. <laughs> I just said, I'm an original fan from uh, the beginning. And he goes, oh, that's good to hear. And, you know, and, and then we just did the peace sign, whatever. And I don't know, he said something else. After a few seconds, you kind of like, you feel like you're in this haze, you know. And you, right. then later on, you go, I don't remember what he said, you know. <laughs> it's kind of like when you get done peeing next to Ray Paul. <laughs> yeah. All right, I'll put that in the book. Um, <laughs> that and then later in my later years, I did an interview, and this guy says he peed next to me, you know. And, and I said, and I said, did you get a good look? <laughs> no, I'm okay. afraid not. Yeah, that's it, man. Let's get into our list. Once again, we're going to be talking about our top five Beatles songs of the Only Three Lads era, and of course, what is Beatles? Ray, why don't we ask you what is a, a band that is Beatles? What does that mean to you? I actually own the copyright to Beatles.com, <laughs> that oh, nice. but I for the last twelve years, but I gave it up really? this year. <laughs> so wow! But anyway, Beatlesk means in the style of the Beatles, in the style, in the mood, in the sound, almost. That's what it means to me. You know, 
Yeah. And like, cause, cause you know, that's what I kind of used when I was thinking of Beatlesque again, I knew I was going to be with you guys too, you know, rabid Beatle fans. I didn't want to mess this up and be stupid. You better uh, get a shot for that. Yeah, I know. But, uh, you know, it's kind of like the mood, kind of like the structure and the sound. So that's how I pick my five top songs of alternative yeah. music and bands that are Beatlesque. Yeah, me too. I mean, it's a tricky concept, right? Because there was not one defining Beatles sound. Right. You know, they were evolving at such a rapid pace. But yet I can spot something that's Beatlesque from a mile away. And I'm sure, you know, Ray can as well. I used to do uh, mixtapes and then that spilled over into CDs. And I, pro- I have volumes of these things. And I used to call them Empire Beatlesque after Bob Dylan's album Empire Burlesque. Uh-huh. And it was just compilations of all these great Beatlesque songs from the 60s to to current times. So I have a very strong affinity for this stuff. That's good to hear. So do you want to go first? Do you want me to go first? How do you want to do this, Brett? Uh, I can go first. That's fine. Yeah, you and then, go then we'll go to Then we'll go to Ray, and yeah. then we'll go to you, Greg, if that works. Perfect. One question I got. What happens if we have this, one of the same titles on our list? That's part of the fun. Oh, yeah. okay. There's always that chance of crossover. I got alternates, though, if there's... A... All right, perfect. <laughs> yeah, we always have some honorable mentions, too. So... My number five pick comes from not the River Mersey, but the River Medway in the southeast of England. The band is The Milkshakes, and it's a track called After Midnight from their 1981 debut album, Talking About Milkshakes. The Milkshakes were led by Mickey Hampshire and the marvelously prolific Billy Childish, a name that you should really check out if you're not familiar with them. He has over 100 albums to his name with various bands, He's a painter, he's a poet, he's a writer. I mean, the man is a true renaissance man. So here's why this primitive garage rock song appears on my top five list of Beatlesque songs. Some of my favorite Beatles live recordings were the ones that were taped in December 1962 at the Star Club in Hamburg. And in the late 70s and early 80s, Ray, I'm sure you remember this, there was just a proliferation of these cheap budget releases from these Star Club tapes. Oh, yeah. And they sounded terrible. I mean, they sounded like they were recorded straight from the rubbish bin. But what I love about them is that they capture this incredible energy of the band on the cusp of stardom, but not quite there yet. Young, hungry, raw, sweaty, fueled by uppers and beer, ripping through a set of mostly rock and roll covers with a near punk rock level of intensity. And remember, this is 1962. So fast forward to the 80s and the milkshakes to me were the band who best captured the spirit of the savage young Beatles. After Midnight puts you right there at the Star Club, front and center, even though it was recorded in the UK nearly 20 years later. And it only is marginally sonically better. So, in fact, if you want a real treat, check out the entirety of the Milkshakes album, 20 Rock and Roll Hits of the 50s and 60s. It's more of that. I mean, if you just want to replicate that experience of what it must have been like at one of those early Beatles sets, this is a great album to do that with. But anyway, but my choice this week is a great original that takes its sound and soul from the raucous early live sets of the Beatles, After Midnight by The Milkshakes. Whoop. Ooh. 
I like the sound effects. Yeah, it was good. I was like, I thought that was you, Brett. <laughs> no. Hey, you know, talking about the early Beatles, does it mean anything to either of you guys when I say uh, when they played in Germany, shredded wheat? You ever hear that story? Shredded wheat? I've heard Machschau. Oh, well, the shredded wheat stuff was that's how they would find out if they had a VD is they would uh, pee into a cup and if it looked like shredded wheat, I've heard, yeah, that's what they, because they had a really good time in Germany for all those years. Well, they played strip clubs. Well, they had some of their own language too, that because the the Germans wouldn't understand it, they would start talking in code like that, you know? Mm -hmm. Right. I never heard of the milkshakes. I don't think I've heard of them. Oh. Yeah, great band. Check them out. Billy Childish started in the pop rivets and then uh, formed a band called The Head Coats. I mean, there's different variations of his musical career. But Okay, what's next? Ray, what's your number five? Well, mine are actually kind of mainstream. My number five was Mr. Blue Sky by ELO. Yeah. Ooh. From 1977 from the Out of the Blue album. That's a good pick. Because it has that... Um, extension of where the Beatles were going at with strawberry fields or all that kind of thing and it's pretty Beatlesque of what the Beatles might have been doing in 77 if they were together. Great track. And as John Lennon said in the early 70s, that ELO was kind of like where I am the walrus left off. Right. Gregory. Well, kicking off my list of the top five Beatles songs of the O3L era is kind of a tranquil song from one of the new wave's icons uh, of the post-punk scene. Now, the psychedelic furs, they had a huge impact on musicians, still do, just like the Beatles had on them. And from their 1982 album, Forever Now, the same album that has Love My Way, that big hit on it, there's this song, Sleep Comes Down, and it sounds a lot like Penny Lane to me. As I was doing all the research for this show, I was listening to this. I'm now addicted. Of course, Todd Rundgren, he produced the album and the song. Yeah. And uh, apparently he uh, would rant against the Beatles. And uh, some say he has some animosity towards the Beatles. But throughout his career, he's got albums that are very Beatles-esque also. Mm-hmm. But uh, my number five this week, Psychedelic Furs, Sleep Comes Down. as my Beatles song. That's a good. I'll have to check that out. I don't recall the song at you know right now, but I will check that out. Yes, you you, you will get a lot of homework, especially from Brett. He always leaves us all with a lot of homework uh, after. <laughs> I'm gonna write oh, that on one of these episodes on occasion. But that is a great first track, and it's kind of funny that Todd Rundgren. Yeah, just you know, a year or two before that, his band Utopia had defaced the music, mm-hmm. which is. Total Beatles parody. Well, what about the Naz? Was it Naz or uh, yeah? The Naz first? was was his yeah. uh, '60s band. Yeah, yeah, and that was total. That was Beatlesque. Well, Naz was a little bit more on the uh, like wasn't a jam band, but it was more of a, a uh, you know what I mean. It was yeah longer instrumental sections and fuzzy. Yeah, they kind of veered sometimes into that harder edge kind of psych garage type stuff. Okay, all right, Brett, you're number four. 
Well, my number four demonstrates just what a musical bubble I live in sometimes. <laughs> so I've been in love with this particular song for nearly 30 years. It's a 1984 track that was released on a Wham Records compilation, which was the record label that was founded by television personalities mastermind Daniel Tracy. The band is The Mixers, and the song is Never Find Time. It's a record that still sparkles with a fresh, wide-eyed innocence, full of youthful exuberance, mod smarts, pop hooks, and close harmonies. In short, had it bared a Lennon McCartney writing credit, it would have fit in really well on with the Beatles. But the tempo probably would have been tamed a little bit 21 years uh, prior. I spent years marveling at just how good this song was, and they have another song on that compilation called Love Hurts, which is also fantastic. So I always wondered what happened to this band. Little Scottish indie band that never made it. So just last year, I looked them up. So it turns out that one of the guys in the band, the guitarist, his name is Grant Morrison. Morrison is one of the most well-known and most respected comic book writers for DC Comics. He was actually awarded a member of the British Empire honor, just like the Beatles were in 1965. And he's a noted screenwriter and playwright. I had no idea. I thought he was just you know, some guy in a little indie pop band that went nowhere. But whether it be 1964 or 1984, Never Find Time has all the markings of a timeless, perfect Beatlesque pop song. My alternate choice was actually going to be the Sponge Tones, a part of me now from their Beat Music album, which is one of my all-time favorite records. But being one of Ray's friends, I figured that he may pick something from them. So I decided not to. But anyway, that's my number four, The Mixers Never Find Time. Okay. Ray. Okay, well, I have my number four is I Just Want to Touch You by Utopia from hey. 1980 <laughs> from the Deface the Music album. There's a flame in the back of my mind And it's burning for you all the time Cause I just want to touch you Do you want to touch me too? I love Todd. I've met Todd a number of times. I actually know his first manager and he confirmed with me at one point that his manager was is the guy that when he said, Leroy boy, is that you? Is this guy Paul, oh. who's his first manager <laughs> now? But um, great album to face the music. Yeah, love that one. I'm sure you've seen the exchange uh, between John and Todd Rundgren in the in the mid 70s. <laughs> I don't remember the specifics, but I remember it popping up on Facebook a few years ago again. Yeah, and uh, yeah, it's just publicity yeah. for both. You know, <laughs> I found it wildly funny. Todd always seems to be able to create some kind of controversy, whether he, when it was work with Badfinger, where everybody's got something about what happened at the session or something, yeah. you know, but, but Todd is just smarter than most of the people, you know, he's smarter than most of the musicians he works with, I think, so, <laughs> for what it's worth. Okay, Greg. All right, well. 
Number four on my list is a band that based their sound on the three Bs, the Birds, Beach Boys, and of course the Beatles. And then they sprinkled a little bit of Melbourne, Australia on them. Uh, from the ashes of Split Ends came Crowded House. Now, of course, the band has always displayed a sense of humor with moodier songs, you know, the somber. They have a sobering edge to them. So what song do I pick from Crowded House? Don't Dream It's Over, Something So Strong. They would be good picks, but I went with their Beatlest Beatles song to me, and that song is Can I guess Not it? the Girl. Yeah, that's go ahead. The, that's the one I, I have as an alternate thing down here. Oh, there you go. Not the Girl You Think You Are. Now, it's oh, off the band's yes. 1996 were a reoccurring dream compilation album. Uh, Not the Girl You Think You Are was one of the new songs that they put on that Best of album. Yeah, so number four choice. this week. Good yeah, choice. it's very Beatles, very Beatles. That's a great song. So, Crowded House, if you've never heard it, not the girl you think you are. Number four. Excellent. Very Beatlesque. That's what I said to David Hasselhoff. I said, I'm not the girl you think I am. (laughs) (laughs) All right. What's the Only Three Lads podcast? Oh, it's already a great show. Mm -hmm. We have Ray Paul with us this week. Make sure and get to Facebook. Make sure and like the Only Three Lads podcast. Facebook page, hit notifications. You know, I, I gave up my nap today to be with you guys. Well, thank oh, you. Thank Me you. too. I, I take my nap usually, but, you know, I knew that Ray Paul, great name, guy was coming on. I was so excited to meet you, and uh, here we are counting down Beatles songs. All right. It is a tale of two Pauls. Oh, that's right, yeah. Stick around, because we will be coming up with our number three and two song next. Want more from today's special guest, Ray Paul? Head over to PermanentPress.net to order the newly remastered single of Ray Paul and RPM's 1980 classics, Won't You Take a Ride, and Tears Little Darling. Also pick up his latest compilation, Bloody Rubbish, and the 2016 gem, Whimsicality. Whimsicality features guest appearances by Clem Burke from Blondie, Emmett Rhodes, Terry Draper from Clatoo, Walter Clevenger, and members of the Gripweeds and Doughboys. If you're a fan of power pop music rooted in the sounds of the Beatles, Badfinger, and the Raspberries, you will love Ray Paul's music. Once again, that's permanentpress.net. Now back to the show. How long are you going to last? Well, you can't say. You You can be big-headed and say, yeah, we're going to last 10 years. But as soon as you've said that, you think, you know, we're lucky if we last three months. Well, obviously, we can't keep playing the same sort of music until we're about 40, because when we're old men playing from me to you, nobody's going to want to know it's all about that sort of thing. So... you know, we've thought about it, and probably the thing that John and I will do uh, will be write songs as we have been doing as a sort of sideline now. 
We'll probably develop that a bit more. Welcome back. It's the Only Three Lads podcast. Don't forget, you can get us on a much, well, I guess a much, many different platforms like Podbean, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spreaker, Apple, the iHeartRadio app. We're also on Amazon, and you can just go to Google and just put in Only Three Lads podcast, and boom, there we are. You can listen to us. And, of course, Ray Paul, he's got his Facebook page. He's all over a bunch of different social media platforms, and you can also go to permanentpress.net slash ray paul correct yes sir you are correct sir <laughs> all right look at that it's good ed mcmahon i may not know paul mccartney's name but i know the website already well that's good and um the new single is, is uh, only a hundred copies on cd only and those are all signed and numbered and we only got a handful left and uh you can uh, go to my website at www.permanentpress.net slash Ray Paul, and there's links to go to PayPal, and there's links to how to buy it and whatever. And the two songs, they were just remastered by Kurt Ryle of the Gripweeds at the House of Vibes studio. And the reason I chose these two songs was I couldn't record and put out anything new this past year or two, so I decided I would go back and I picked these songs because I always thought these were the two most underappreciated songs that I've recorded. They were probably the least known. They didn't get the credit they deserve, I think, especially Won't You Take a Ride, which is still one of my favorites. Great track. And uh, so the single is also, both sides of the single are also on all, almost all digital platforms. All right, we're up to our number three song of the most Beatles songs in the Only Three Lads era, and it looks like, Brett, you're up. Welp, okay. So for number three, I wanted something to capture the spirit of the experimental mid-period Beatles. My initial thought was a song by Squire called No Time Tomorrow, which is very Tomorrow Never Knows influenced. However, then I remembered a track that not only was influenced by the last track on Revolver, but also the tape sound collages of Only a Northern Song and the Mellotron explorations of Strawberry Fields. So I present to you Sir John John's The Red Curtain, Lord Cornelius Plum, and E.I.E.I. Owen, The Dukes of Stratosphere, and their 1985 song, What in the World? Some of you, of course, may know the band as XTC. The restless experimentation of the Beatles was probably captured better on XTC's Skylarking than it was on the Dukes Project, which to my ears was closer to the strain of whimsical UK psych that followed in Sgt. Pepper's wake, like Pink Floyd, Tomorrow, Kaleidoscope, and that ilk of bands. But there is no doubt that What in the World is very Beatlesque with its Ringo-esque drum thwack and fills to Andy Partridge's, oh, I'm, I'm sorry, whoops, uh, Sir John John's swooping McCartney-fueled bass line, phase vocals, and backwards tape loops. It's a thrilling little number that teleports 1966 Abbey Road production values into 1985. Back to the future style. The boys and girls and the that mcfly and that's my number three dukes of stratosphere what in the world oh, that's a good choice 
Thank you. All right. I've been going down the XTC rabbit hole this whole week <laughs> listening to It's a good hole. Yeah, it's a it good really hole, is. Greg. Really, really is. You need to get in that XTC hole. Mm-hmm. All right. My number three uh, is by Cheap Trick, and it's from Ooh. 1977. It's a song, Come On, Come On. Yeah. That's a song that just grabbed me right away. It's got great melody, and it has those, yeah, 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 yeah. It's got that that energy of what the early Beatles might have been doing, too. You know, just if you'd seen the Beatles live, just with the, yeah, 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 come on, come on. You could hear the Beatles doing this song. Yes. That's just how I feel. That's from the In Color album. And that still today is still my favorite Cheap Trick song. Regardless of being Beatlesque or not, I love that track. Love that band. Great choice. Yep. That, I love In Color. That's still my favorite Cheap Trick album. Yes, me too. Voices is another track that could be considered, I think that was from Dream, Dream Police. Police. Yeah. Voices is very Beatlesque too. Definitely. Okay. Gregory. All right, it's my turn. So coming in at number three for me of the most Beatlesque songs is one from a band where the two writers have been described as Lennon, McCartney, with a dash of Elvis Costello. Any guesses? Squeeze. There you go. Ding, 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 ding. That's why ding, he's ding. the rockter. You know, and what makes Squeeze so Beatlesque is their harmonic phrasing, their humor. Paul McCartney actually told Tom Snyder once that he listens to Squeeze. So the band's Beatlesque song for me is off 1980's Argy Bargy, Another Nail in My Heart, a pretty perfect pop song. why I pick and squeeze another nail in my heart number three of the top five Beatles songs I love squeeze in fact they just started announcing they're coming about 40 miles away to a casino near here and I'm tempted to go see them I love the band because it's got both Difford and Tilbrook uh, touring now I actually had an alternate choice by squeeze uh, from their 1993 album of the same title called some fantastic place Mm, are you familiar with that Yes, that is very Beatlesque, and not a very well-known squeeze song, I think. Well, there's maybe one of your covers, Ray. Well, maybe you could, maybe you should cover that song. You'd like to do songs that aren't really known. We shall see. (laughs) Maybe. Who knows? Time will tell. Was that an intended pun when you said you were tempted to see Squeeze? No, it just kind of came out that way. I, 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 wait, yes, yes, it was. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, great squeeze picks. And yes, you can't go wrong. I mean, they no, they were commonly referred to as the Lennon and McCartney of the 80s. So there's something to it. All right. So for number two, right, we're up to number two already. Yikes. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. I need to get one of those. I know. We need to get some sound effects. Fantastic. Like that. That's pretty cool. Got this two years ago. <laughs> uh, I wanted a song. <laughs> That represented the wistful, nostalgic, stately, ornate side of the Beatles. It was so perfectly captured on Sgt. Pepper and the Strawberry Fields Forever and Penny Lane single. I was all set on Elvis Costello, because Greg, you know what a huge Elvis nut I am. But I was going to choose his majestic and in every home 
produced by Beatles engineer Jeff Emmerich. But guess what? I didn't. I also wanted to include a song on my list that was undoubtedly influenced by the Beatles, and Ray had mentioned this on one of his choices, but I wanted to pick something that didn't necessarily just sound like a copy of what the Beatles accomplished, but sounded like a continuation of what the Beatles set out to do. So I chose a song that does all of that, and it's Nick Nicely's 1982 single, Hilly Fields, 1892. pretty obscure nowadays but when it was released the song was critically acclaimed being named as the single of the week in enemy and called the best psychedelic record made since the 60s so that's pretty high praise the mournful cello sounds like it was lifted straight from a george martin production and obviously hilly fields named after a park that was close to nicely's home is going to invite beatles comparisons based on the name alone but the song also incorporates some electronic elements that plants it firmly in the now, or at least what the now was in 1982. Of course, the song has sunk more or less into obscurity, but it was highly influential on a new crop of UK psych acts like the Cleaners from Venus and the Bevis Frond. And it's a really great number. Nick Nicely and his song, Hilly Fields, 1892, my number two. More homework. Yeah, I'm... I'm working on uh, a new song called Strawberry Flavored Malt Liquor. <laughs> Very Beatlesque, it's going to be. I, I love it. Very um, evocative. Let me. Dr- no, never mind. <clears throat> <laughs> okay, why? Hey, I think I was talking too much earlier. I don't know. Glass of water for Mr. Granger. All right, number two from, um, from me is Because I Love You by Badfinger from their 1981 album Say No More. This hook to me, I remember the very first time I heard this. This to me is more Beatlesque than even No Matter What. Uh, although No Matter What ripped off Babies in Black in the bridge. And I'll tell you how. It's the same notes. Knock down the old gray wall. Be- oh, how long will it take? Knock down the old gray wall. Yeah. It's almost note for note. Maybe one note different. But... um. No matter what is a good choice, but that was before 1974. This one is from 1981 on their uh, Say No More album on Radio Records. And I always thought it was a pretty pretty good album overall. Not their best, but still enjoyable. And this was my favorite track off of that album. Great. You guys know the track? I know the track very well. Okay. I'm a big Badfinger fan. And the post-Pete Ham stuff obviously gets short shrift because of obviously the lack of Pete, but I think they're both highly underrated albums. Yeah. Joey uh, actually, you know, going out now as he does with live shows, does a really good job, I think, on, uh, you know, singing Pete songs. 
because uh, you know him not being the lead singer on some of those, but they still sound Badfinger, you know. Ish. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Hey, as long as Joey's around, Badfinger can exist in my yeah. mind. Great guy. All right. Well, it's my turn for my number two and runner up on my list of the most Beatles songs is one that peaked at number thirty-four on the charts in the Netherlands. Ray, we Ooh. love the Netherlands here on the Only we Three Love Lads the podcast. Netherlands. Love yes. them. I'd like to go to Ho- I'd like to go to Holland, wouldn't you? <laughs> Amen. Ah, yes, I would. We are man. planning that. That's why we love the Netherlands so one. much. Well, I always waiting. wait for somebody to say that so I can walk right in with that line. <laughs> Of course, I think we would all agree that this band is severely underrated, and especially here in the U.S., and they were way ahead of their time. Kind of a pseudo-crossover, but XTC, how many great songs could we pick from them that they've written and recorded? I mean, Andy Partridge, he had those great lyrics, the arrangements, the dynamics. In 1982, XTC, they released the album English Settlement with this song, Senses Working Overtime. That's what I picked. Uh, XTC and other tendencies... Uh, where you know the, the Beatles tendencies that they have I think that they were really sincere they meant to flatter the Beatles not just appropriate what they did and all the world is football shaped it's just I could have picked Mayor of Simpleton, Ballad of Peter Pumpkinhead. But since it's working overtime, number two on my list of the Beatles songs of the only three Led's era. <laughs> I love it. All right. I love it. Well, yeah, and that's the thing. I mean, Andy Partridge in particular, I mean, he definitely has a flair for Beatlesque melodies, but he always takes it in the, you know, these weird little twists and turns that are totally his own. Yeah, I would love to see them live. But, you know, the uh, Brett, you're going to love this. I thought of you when I read this, that the last time they p- played in L.A. was in 1981. And guess who they played with? Your favorite band. Uh, Elvis? No, Wall of Voodoo. Oh. Ugh. Yeah, not a big fan of Wall of Voodoo, are you? Oh, gosh, no. Oh. Uh, Stan Ridgway. <laughs> San, San Diego native. He could be your neighbor. Yeah, it's nothing against Stan Ridgway. It's just that I, I want to shoot my eye out any time I hear <laughs> Mexican radio. That's all. I'm on a Mexican radio. <laughs> all right. We are almost there. Our top Beatles song of the only three lads era. First of all, I just want to say thank you for being part of this community. I mean, music, I always talk about it, that I have two feelings, hunger and anger. But when I listen to music, that's <laughs> when I feel like my soul, you know, that's where I feel connected to humanity. I mean, I really love music. That's what I do all week. Um, and thank you so much. What about thirst? Uh, no, don't worry about that. See, Bray, what I do, um, I work at a radio station now, but it's like WBBM. It's, it's, it's a talk news radio and I'm a news guy. So I want to chew on gunmetal every single day I'm at work. So when I come home. Where is that? Chicago? No, f- oh, no, oh well, I was thinking uh, Boston, but I'm, I'm, that, that might be Washington, oh. D.C., I'm thinking. It's a talk news radio talk, talk news, station. Yeah. So well, I'm a news okay. guy. Yeah, it's okay. It pays the bills. But um, when I yeah. come home and because I really care nothing, so, you know, like the Phoenix Suns, they were just in the finals and everybody at work is going all crazy. And I'm like, I don't have an emotional connection to my own life. I hope they win. But if they don't, I'll be okay. And when they did lose, 
I was fine. Um, but everybody else is like, I can't believe they lost. But I'm like, well, you know. Um, but that's why I just love music. I love that we get to come here every week and talk about music, meet people like Ray Paul, talk about music. You always learn new things. So just want to say thank you for being a part of this community and make yeah. sure and head over to that Facebook page. All right. Well, thank you for having me today. Let's go to number one. Well, number we're not one. there yet. We're oh, going to take not, a break, oh, and then we're okay. going to come back with our number ones, and we're going to do that right after Okay, this. I'll still be here. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> we got to get like, one of those, It's like Brad. some Ed Wood moves. <laughs> <doing it. laughs> As always, all of you third lads out there rose to the occasion with your top songs of 1998. Some of the great choices out there, Peter Cook included California Stars by Billy Bragg and Wilco and Dry the Rain by the Beta Band, Dr. Don had the Donna's Rock and Roll Machine and Shimmer by Fuel, Julio Santos added Inertia Creeps by Massive Attack and Tank by The Seatbelts, and Kimberly Brown threw out New Radicals You Get What You Give and If Only You Could See by Tonic. Great lists, and we'd love to hear from more of you out there at facebook.com slash only3lads. Also make sure to check out the great episode Spotify playlist that Joshua Daniel Cole has been providing. We love our old 3L community. Now back to the show. It's the Only Three Lads podcast where we take a look at the golden age of alternative music from 1974 to 1999. I am Uncle Greg, of course. We have the rockter Brett Vargo. Only Three Lads can be a lonely place on a Saturday night, and it's only Tuesday morning. <laughs> but we are here with Sorry. a friend now. Ray Paul. Did you guys used to be the four lads? No, we used to be the three lads. You're the third lad this week. Oh, no, but there was a singing group. Yeah, the four lads. That's right. We should uh, start a vocal harmony group. Oh, God. <laughs> there you go. Ray's the lead singer for sure. All right. So, of course, we are taking a look at our top five Beatles songs. Already great list all around. Do you want to do our honorable mentions now, or do you want to go to our number ones and do the honorable mentions later? Well, shucks. Let's go through some honorable mentions now. I'm good with that. So I had The Jet Set, Live and Let Love, uh, Raspberries, Rose Colored Glasses, Flaming Groovies, You Tore Me Down, Bay City Rollers, When Will You Be Mine? Uh, I had Utopia, Everybody Else is Wrong, The Jam Start, Clatu, Sub Rosa, Subway, Scarlet Party. I thought this was a good one. 100 Damn Nations. I don't know if anybody remembers them, but... They were actually poised because their lead singer looked and sounded a lot like John Lennon. They were poised to be uh, promoted as the Beatles of the 80s. And then they, I think, made two singles and then uh, nothing else happened to them. Any, on, on, any honorable mentions, Ray, if that's easy for me yes, to say? Yes, I do. Well, first of all, this might be tied with number five. I was going to say my, my first honorable mention is My Brave Face by Paul McCartney. Yeah. <laughs> because that's the first song he finally went back to sounding like a Beatle. Yes. And to me, that's Beatlesque, and that's a great song. I've got a couple other ones. Uh, Sowing the Seeds of Love by Tears for Fears. Mm -hmm. Good one. Really has the Beatle stamp all over it, and... Um, it still retains their identity, yet it smells Beetle all over, you know? <laughs> and then I had, of course, Not the Girl You Think You Are, Crowded House, and uh, Voices by Cheap Trick, also for my uh, just sort of alternative titles there. Can't go wrong. No, those, those are great picks. Can't go wrong. Greg, honorable mentions for you? Well, for me, 
I I would say the jam, of course. That's entertainment was one of the things that I was thinking about. Mm, okay. Um, sponge tones I had. Naked Eyes. Uh, really loved the early stuff from that band, like Promises, Promises. Uh, and always something left to remind me. Something there was Beatles for you me. You think that. Naked Eyes has got a Beatles sound to it? I, to me, I just, I don't know, there was something about that. But again, that's why I really had to study this. And then, but I, mm. I just kind of put them down as an honorable mention. And there's one band that I'm surprised no one's picked yet, but The Laws, there she goes. Yeah. Brett, I was thinking that's going to be a Brett song, but maybe not. I have the moment of this, but you know what? I actually thought that you would pick them. So I oh, didn't you stayed away. <laughs> I didn't want to steal that thunder. I stayed away. <laughs> yeah, no. Um, I think my number one pick, no one's going to pick, uh, but. We'll see. Really? Yeah. We'll see about that. So let's get into our number one, our Beatlest oh, song. Don't you guys okay. have something that goes like number one, 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 one? We do you, now. You know, we've talked about that, and I actually <laughs> tried recording something, and it sounded terrible. <laughs> we do need a little more uh, number pizzazz. One. Number oh, one. I like that. All right, you maybe know, we'll use Ray's like number, one. number one. Number one. Okay. Number one. Okay. <laughs> number one all right okay mr brett so for number one i'm gonna take that big old softball that's being lobbed at me and i'm just gonna knock it out of the park this one is probably too easy but it's a song that i constantly find myself singing at random times it of course is can she do it like she dances by ringo no i'm kidding it's not all right but <laughs> it is the final track from their 1967 masterpiece, Sergeant Rudder's Only Darts Club Band, and later beautifully animated for inclusion in their 1969 film, Yellow Submarine Sandwich. It's the Ruddles' incredible cheese and onions. Okay, now, before we started, I forgot I was actually going to say something about, now, we're not counting the Ruddles, are we? Because that's... Uh... <laughs> Um, well, that's what I thought. Yep. I thought it might be too easy. Yeah. But of course, the Ruddles were not actually from the 60s. They were the Beatles parody spearheaded by former Bonzo Doodah, Dog Doodah Band, whatever. Remember Neil Innes sure. and Monty Python's Eric. Oh, I love, love the Ruddles. They're great. Love the Ruddles. originally featured on the Rutland weekend television series in the UK. They were shown here on Saturday Night Live in the US. And then, of course, there was a great feature-length mockumentary, All You Need Is Cash, from 1978. If you have not seen that, do it. Please. It is brilliant. And here's the thing. The songs are really, really good. Some of them are so close to Beatles originals that you could just sense that ATV music publishing was salivating in litigious anticipation. But there are other songs that stand up in any context. So even though I didn't pick it, one that came very close, but I figured I'll only do one Ruddle song is I Must Be In Love. It's a 1964 style parody, but to me, it's one of the great power pop songs of the 70s. Yeah, it's very, very early Beatles. Yeah, I mean, very early Beatles. And it's just such a great standalone song on its own, even if you didn't know that it was a, a Beatles parody. But Cheese and Onions, which I did pick, is a fantastic amalgamation of late Beatles, early solo John Lennon. 
The string crescendo of A Day in the Life is in there. The hazy childlike playful surrealism of I Am the Walrus is there. There's a little touch of Dear Prudence, and it's all wrapped up in a package that sounds like something that would have been on John's Imagine album. I don't know if it's mere coincidence or not, but to me, the two Jeff Lynne produced Beatle reunion tracks in the mid 90s seem to take more cues from Cheese and Onions than anything actually in the Beatles' own past. So, ladies and gentlemen, brew yourself a stiff cup of tea and take a tragical history tour down Shabby Road with Nasty, Dirk, Stig and Barry, The Ruddles, and Cheese and Onions from 1978-ish. My number one. Love The Ruddles. Not a bad song on the whole album. Just a no. great, great record. Great film. Um, spot on, you know, with the blessing of, of George Harrison. So Yes, a lot of fun. All right, so I'm up for number one now, right? You are. Okay. Yes, sir. Now... I think my number one song, Beatlesque song, is there isn't anything I think that's more Beatlesque than this song. This could have been on any of John Lennon's 70s albums, but it's also very Beatlesque. From 1974, in this era, So You Are a Star by the Hudson Brothers. Oh, yeah. There is no other record... It, that record is John Lennon, the best song John Lennon never wrote. Mm. That's the way I, I describe that song. There are other th things that sound Beatlesque and everything, but that actually sounds like the Beatles or John Lennon. Yes. You know what I mean? That's, that's a John Lennon song straight away. You know, even the production of it, it has that 70s Lennon production. I think it's great. I also had, um, I know you guys said to stay, so I stayed with 74 to, to 99, but I can't leave without saying the top five songs from 74 to 73 in Beatlesque. Okay. Number yeah, one, the no other song from that era, before you guys were around, Lies by the Knickerbockers mm -hmm. is so Beatlesque that everyone thought it was the Beatles when it first came out. There's another case of the record. If they didn't want to say the name of the group, people go, play that new Beatle record, Lies, you know, and they'd be calling <laughs> radio stations. The other one is No Matter What by Badfinger. Number three, She May Call You Up Tonight by The Left Bank. Mm, yes. Number four, She's Such a Beauty by Emmett Rhodes. That's what the first song I ever heard by Emmett, besides uh, the merry-go-round. Great. And you guys know this one, Stop and Get a Ticket by the Clefts of Lavender Hill? No. That's, oh, Brett. It was on Date Records in 1966, and it was the single CBS distributed Date, and the band was Clefts of Lavender Hill. The Zombies were also on Date Records for yes. their time in uh, Odyssey and Oracle. With Odyssey and Oracle, yeah. It's called Stop, Get a Ticket. you got to check this song out. It's still one of my favorite songs going way back when. Uh, very Beatlesque in that kind of, it combines the early with the mid-Beatles. Wow. I think you'll like it. I will definitely check that out, and, and I'll probably go to my collection and it'll be there, but just by name, I'm. I, it's not ringing okay. a bell. Yes, I was shocked when Brett said no. 
You hadn't you heard got, you, Does the name Quasimodo ring a bell with you? Yes. Okay. Just checking. All right. It's up to me now. My number one Beatles song of the O3L era is one that I have just been mesmerized by since I first heard it. Now, Radiohead is Beatles because I really believe of their self-conscious desire to always do something ambitious, big, and different. And off 1997's OK Computer, Karma Police is said to have been written with the Beatles in mind. Now, Karma Police and Paranoid Android both seem to have been inspired by the Beatles song Happiness is a Warm Gun off their White Album. I remember spinning Creep and seeing Radiohead in a bar in Phoenix, and then the band only got greater with Karma Police, and you could tell their love for the Beatles and Tom York's love for the Beatles, the way how their songs are written. But my number one Beatles song this week is going to be Radiohead with Karma Police. Interesting. I'll have to check that one out. Oh, it's it's a great song, and then if you listen to Happiness is a Warm Gun, you could really see the feel of the inspiration for that song. Well, I could definitely see that with Paranoid Android, Android. with all of the, yeah. the tempo changes and, and, everything and, and different movements of the song. But, but I that, just, I, I think the feel huh. of, of Karma, I, I like Paranoid Android, but Karma Police is the one, but I think the feel is why I picked this Karma Police. Great pick. All right. So I didn't do myself dumb this week with uh, Beatle, you know, connoisseurs like you guys. I mean, I guess I Not always a- love the Beatles. I just didn't know how much. And then, you know, again, doing this podcast, it's like always enlightening and I always learn new things. That's like, oh, okay, that's why I like that. And oh, okay, you know, that's, you know, like XTC. I was in a deep, dark, uh, really bad. dark XTC hole. Oh, big time. It was like LSD. I was just like, (laughs) oh, next song, next song. I've been listening to XTC all week. And then Which which we don't endorse kids, by the way. No, I endorse XTC. What you should do right now, as soon as this podcast is over, Forget TV, forget family, forget dinner. Go and listen to some XTC. But you do not endorse LSD, just for the record, no, right? No, I do okay. not. Good. Just making sure. I mean, we're progressive here, but... Well, yeah. Well, the thing is, I, I, I could barely white-knuckle reality now. I got a I got a widescreen TV that has this LSD screen on it. <laughs> okay, well, I, I guess I will promote that. <laughs> That's good. All right, so running down my top five, it was number five, The Milkshakes After Midnight, number four, The Mixers, Never Find Time, number three, The Dukes of Stratosphere, What in the World, number two, Nick Nicely, Hilly Fields, 1892, and number one, The Ruddles, Cheese and Onions. Ray, want to go down your top five again for us? All right, my top five Beatles songs are number five, Mr. Blue Sky by ELO. Uh, number four, uh, I Just Want to Touch You by Utopia. Number three, Come On, Come On by Cheap Trick. Number two, Because I Love You by Badfinger. And number one, So You Are a Star by the Hudson Brothers. And my number five was Psychedelic Furs, Sleep Comes Down. Number four, Crowded House with Not the Girl You Think You Are. At number three, Squeeze, Another Nail in My Heart. Number two, XTC with Senses Working Overtime and my number one Beatles song this week, Radiohead and Karma Police. Well, I got to say, this is going to make a heck of a fun playlist. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I always knew Beatles were very important to all the music that we listen to all of our lives. But doing this podcast right now and hanging out with Ray, 
it's just even you could even see more of the influence that the Beatles have just on every song that we hear on the radio. Just don't pee next to me, okay? Um, Greg. I I can't make that promise. You know, I'm a little creepy. I've admitted that many times, uh, but I will try and at least have one stall in between us. Fair enough. All right. Sounds good. Well, listen, I want to thank you guys for inviting me to come on uh, the show. Uh, It's been fun. And don't forget, hey, if you want to check uh, check out Ray Paul's music, you can go to YouTube. You can also go to permanentpress.net. Uh, he's got the singles there. Slash Ray Paul. You got to get the slash, though. Yeah. Okay, so it's permanentpress.net. <laughs> Otherwise, slash you won't get anything. Ray Paul. Something, something happened, you know. But ah. they can still get on the website, though, if it, without that, right? Yeah, I'm, uh, you can listen to the tracks on Spotify, uh, iTunes, Apple Music, uh, all, all the really well known ones. And. You can, you know, download to, for sale on there as well. Or you can contact me directly on Facebook. I'm at facebook.com slash Media. All right. Well, I'm going to go there right now. I'm going to friend you right now on Facebook, Ray. Okay. So when you say, oh, who's this creepy guy? <laughs> it's just me. Greg Paul. It's not a long lost son as far as we know. No, I don't think so. <laughs> uh, facebook.com slash Media. Perfect. All right, Greg, should we hit the randomizer real quick? Yeah, hit that while I'm getting onto Facebook. All right, you get onto Facebook, I'll hit the randomizer so we know what we're talking about on next week's episode. And stop. Next week, Greg, we have the top five bass lines. Oh, Mm. my favorite. I'm a big bass lover. See, this week was my wheelhouse. Next week with bass is definitely your wheelhouse. That's a good one. Yeah, you know, we yes. were talking about XTC, Colin Molding. Is that his name? Mm-hmm. The bass player yeah. for Colin XTC? Molding. Wow. Mm-hmm. Wow. I was listening to all those XTC songs going, God, listen to that bass line. I so want to learn how to play bass so I could be not a spectator, but somebody who owns a bass that collects dust. I'll teach you, Greg. All right, perfect. Listen to, if you listen to my music, you'll hear all very melodic bass lines that I do because they're very McCartney influenced or... They just, they stand out more than, they're not just your typical uh, playing the root kind of thing. Yes. You know, so check them out if you have a chance. Definitely will. Definitely. There's a track that I love off the Whimsicality album that I'm going to direct people to, and we'll probably, with Ray's permission, we'll uh, put some snippets on this show, but I love it, but you don't believe it. I love it, but you don't believe it. Yep. Sounds like a Lost Raspberries single. Kind of Beatlesque in a way. It is Beatlesque. I thought you might mention it, maybe. <laughs> but, that's okay. I forgive you. But, but it, it was out of era. But I do love the song. That's right. That's right. It was out of era. It, it's a great album. You don't have to prove your love. I do find to be even more Beatlesque. Uh, they creep in now and then, you know, it's just you can't, you know, the best kind of songs I always felt are, you can't help it, but you you think you've heard it before, but you, you really can't peg it, but yet it sounds so familiar. And because when you're writing it, it's like all the influences you have, like they're thrown into like a blender and this is what comes out. And right. instead of it, it's not sounding like exactly like a copy of somebody, 
but it's got that familiarity that people like will lean into and that's what I try to do when I write songs you know is um, so if you hear it for the first time you're gonna you might even really like it the first time well hey once again thank you for being part of this community is there anything else that we want to add before we go well I would just like to add as always thanks for listening we love having you here we hope you have learned a lot we've pointed you to some great music I know you'll enjoy hearing Ray's stories as much as we have, and we will uh, talk to you all next week. But for now, we will say hello and wave goodbye. Cheers, everybody. Thanks for having me. The theme music is Frequency, written and performed by yours truly, Brett Vargo. Any other music in this episode is presented solely for purposes of review, examination, and news reporting. If you like what you hear, go to your record store and pick up the LP, CD, cassette, or 8-track, or stream it if you're one of those newfangled fancy pants. If we're lucky enough to still have these artists with us, go out and see some live music. For the latest updates, join the O3L community at facebook.com slash only3lads. We want to hear from you. And while you're at it, click on the Shop Now link for the coolest threads. Until next time, thanks for listening. it's nfl draft season and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football fantasypoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. Fantasypoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. Fantasy Points.